Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum by Short & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We hear a lot about the disruption economy, how Amazon is changing the face of retail or how Uber is changing the way we get around. But there are more subtle yet equally significant changes at work in a variety of sectors, including philanthropy, for example, in medicine. And it's not necessarily bearded hipster millennials in skinny leg jeans who are leading this change. In Baton Rouge, established professional women are taking the lead and changing the way we approach things like philanthropic giving or visits to the doctor. Joining me today is one such leader, Beverly Brooks-Thompson. Beverly is a management consultant whose firm Brooks-Thompson Consulting specializes in fundraising advising and philanthropic management consulting for corporate, nonprofit, and individual clients. Beverly founded the firm in 2016 after more than 20 years of fundraising experience, which most notably included directing the Forever LSU campaign for Louisiana State University. You may remember that raised more than $798 million in excess of the campaign's $750 million goal. The business of fundraising is different today than it used to be. It's not just about raising money, but about impact giving and strategic social engagement. And Beverly is leading the way in this new approach, and she's going to explain it to us in more detail. So, Beverly, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. And with me in Beverly is Dr. Gunjan Rhino, a primary care doctor here in Baton Rouge who is also at the forefront of her changing industry. She's doing concierge medicine, which enables her patients for a fee, better access, and more personalized care. Gunjan grew up in Canada, studied in India, did her residency in Pittsburgh, and built a primary practice in Baton Rouge, which gives her a diverse and unique perspective. Recently, she opened Heal 360, a concierge practice at the Baton Rouge General Hospital, and became one of the younger physicians to affiliate with MDVIP, a national network of primary care doctors that follow the new concierge model. It's a fascinating model and the way of the future, at least for those who can afford it. So, Gunjan, thanks for being here with us today. We look forward to hearing about how this all works. Thank you. Well, Beverly, I want to go back to you for a minute and, and kind of start... Impact giving, strategic social engagement, it sounds so great. What does it really mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Well, I think it depends on who you talk to, what it means. But um, what we are finding is people are giving more money in singular, impactful ways. So instead of, for example, writing a whole bunch of $1,000 checks, people are uh, putting those checks together and trying to make a singular difference for a particular organization. In addition to that, you're seeing group giving. So you'll hear things like women's philanthropy circles, or you'll really? see circles around particular um, interests. So like causes or something. Particular right? causes. So they're right the second with the state of our um, 
country. You're seeing a lot in constitutional idealism giving. Okay. You're seeing the flip side of that with some social interest groups. So it's it's fascinating work, um, but people have put a new brand on something that that high net worth individuals have been doing for quite some time. And so your firm, you all specialize in this. You what do you? You go to a client or a client comes to you, what do you offer them? And how do you help them craft a campaign or shape a message? Right. Okay, so we... Or get money out of rich people. Well, there you go. So we have what I call a three-part operation. One is philanthropic advising for high net worth individuals, families, family offices. And that also bleeds into, if you will, the corporate giving space. So what we do in both the individuals and corporations is help them script a plan for what you just described, that impact giving. So what is meaningful to you, your family, your heirs? What's meaningful for your company? Um, what makes the most sense for the, the organization and how we're going to give money away? And how can we em- engage our employees in that? And then we also have that third piece, which is the traditional philanthropic consulting, where um, organizations are trying to raise transformational money in a campaign we helped guide them in doing that. So there's a lot of overlap. The board members are typically the same folks that we work with from a corporate space or an individual space. Sure. It makes it a lot of fun. So we play both sides of the philanthropic fence, if you will. So interesting. All right, well, I want to hear more about it. But Gunjan, you're doing something so interesting, too, with your concierge medicine. It's a new concept. I've heard about it a few years ago with older men, generally, and they're older men doctors. But but you're a young woman, and you're bringing this more to the family medicine arena. Yep. So, um, I mean, concierge medicine has been around for probably a decade now. And it's mostly, I mean, the average age of a family doctor that gets into concierge medicine is about 55, 57. He has, and it's mostly, you know, white male physicians that have been in practice for about 30, 35 years. So for me to, like, tap into the field was obviously scary and different and uh, not done. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm known to do things that are not done. And, <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, just tapped into it about last year and started my practice about uh, four months ago. Why have younger and female doctors traditionally stayed away from it? Um, I think it's the fa- fear of failure and that um, most physicians, female physicians, aren't out there and up there in the healthcare industry nowadays. Mm-hmm. We're kind of at the setback. You know, I mean, it's a known fact that most female physicians are paid about 10% less compared to the male counterparts. Um, You know, all that being said, when it comes to promoting a female physicians, female physician in like the hospital industry or wherever you are, men tend not to promote female individuals. And that may be subconscious or unconscious. They tend to promote males because there's a similar and familiar face at the board meetings. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it, but, you know, I think it's going to change, and I wanted to be part of the change, so that's why I decided to do this. I think we're going to talk about women in the workplace in, right. in a minute, but, but I want to finish with, um, with, with the model and how it works. Who are your patients, okay. and, and do you accept insurance, or is it all just this upfront fee that they pay? How does it work? So concierge medicine, you basically take a traditional family medicine practice. Most physicians, believe it or not, have about four to 6,000 patients that you're taking care of. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of patients. That's too many. Right, and this is why we have so many walk-in clinics and urgent care clinics today, because your family doctor cannot take care of all that. 
Um, so this model, you drop your practice down from four to 6,000 patients down to 300 to 600 patients total. Wow. So huge nothing, drop. it's a huge drop. So nothing changes with the insurance. Patients have their insurances, their copays stay the same. The only thing that changes is you pay an extra fee to your physician for them to be it. So I'm only taking care of about 300 patients right now. I take insurances, I take copay, but I'm available for my patients 24-7. Mm -hmm. Evenings, weekends, after hours, they have my cell phone. Um, and if you have, if, and a lot of them sign up because if they have kids under the age of 27, it's free. So instead of being a young mom working and worrying about going to the pediatrician, you just call call me up. I take care of your kids. You know, teenagers, lots I'm of mail you. I'm in. Right. I know. Me too. I mean, right. it ends up being a How deal. How much is the fee? So the fee is about uh, sixteen fifty a year, yeah. and it comes out. You, they make quarterly payments about four hundred dollars every quarter, one hundred and forty bucks a month. It's under five dollars a day. So worth it, huh? I absolutely. So you went out and, and sort of blazed this new trail. And, and Beverly, you've only been out on your own for about a little over a year after a long time. Exactly. I founded our company a year ago today. Well, so congratulations! congratulations. How ironic, huh? Very exciting. What made you want to go out on your own, you know, especially after being associated with the LSU Forever LSU campaign, which was huge? Well, I have had such great employers. So from LSU to Women's Hospital, I've, I've just been blessed in what I've done. But in between those two organizations, I worked for a national fundraising firm. In fact, I spent some time in Pittsburgh and uh, love um, the consulting space. And some of my former clients were banging on the door saying, please come back, please come back. I've always been in a real entrepreneurial role, a role that people haven't always been in before or that an organization wants to take to another level. So this venture is not completely out of whack uh, for kind of my skill set, but it, it's, been a, it's been a huge change, but very exciting. We're now, I'm not worried about whether we're going to eat. I'm worried about the economies <laughs> of scale and how we open an office in Houston. So. Yeah, so are most well, of your clients, speaking of Houston, local or are you regional? Are you trying to branch out national? Is it just all Mo over the map? Most of our clients are nationally based. Our real skill set is in, in the nonprofit space and in um, transformational change for organizations that are raising between 10 and $500 million. So that, 10 and $500 million. Yeah, so that's pretty huge. Huge difference yeah. than I'm running an annual fund. So we have clients in New Orleans, in Houston, in Pittsburgh, in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So we live in Terminal B, if you will. Um, our, uh, our individuals and corporate clients, um, we follow money. And mm -hmm. at the moment, most of those clients happen to be in Texas. A whole lot of what we do is referral-based. I, I would suspect it's very similar to your organization. So if one client refers us, um, it's probably sure. likely that we'll be working in the same area or yeah, word of mouth. Space, word what, of mouth is huge What is the us. model? You get like a, a, a fee up front or you get a cut of however much is raised or does it just depend on the deal? So I'm a certified fundraising executive and what that means is ethically we don't work on commission in the fundraising space. Okay. Um, that is a huge disqualifier. So what we do is project based. So it depends on what that project is. If that is a planning study, if an organization is getting ready, that's typically a flat fee. If it's we're going to raise $100 million for an organization, um, we do that in either 12 or 18 month 
increments uh, based on the longevity of the campaign. So every engagement looks a little bit different. On the other side of the house with individuals and corporations, we write plans and that's a flat based fee. So here's the plan for ABC construction company to go um, write their corporate responsibility plan and we can write that plan and we can facilitate. So if we facilitate their giving, then that's done on a percentage basis. Can you do fundraising today without a high-priced consultant? I mean, I guess not for something transformational. No, No, (laughs) not for for something transformational. Now, I will say this, there are a whole lot more fundraisers with great, great experience than there Mm -hmm. were 25, 30 years ago. Um, However, I would suggest that if you're raising transformational money, you need a coach to walk you through the process who has seen it at multiple organizations that hasn't just lived in it in one organization. You need the the variety of scale, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like physicians. They have to they have to talk to other physicians to see what's new and what's different in the market. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to Beverly Brooks Thompson of Brooks Thompson Consulting and Dr. Gunjan Raina of Heal360. Gunjan, what are physicians out there saying right now, particularly with all of the changes and uncertainty around the future of healthcare insurance in this country? I mean, I think most physicians are scared, and because they're scared, they're trying to jam in the maximum amount of patients they can in a given day. And that's why a lot of patients, you know, out there are frustrated that, hey, my doctor used to spend 30, 40 minutes with me, and now it's all about five, 10 minutes, and it's just a little roller coaster ride. You're in and out. Uh, You're being handed off to a lot of mid-levels, nurse practitioners, MAs, you know, PAs. Uh, A lot of uh, patients end up going to Walgreens and CVS for office visits and cold cough, you know, where, so, which is sad. It is very sad. It's sad because, you know, according to me, and this is why I was motivated to do this, when you pay insurance, you're paying for doctor's visit, and that's not what you're getting. Right. You know, unfortunately, insurance, uh, you know, provides um, coverage and not care, and that's not okay. Are concierge concierge doctors, is it easy to get on the health networks for the major HMOs? I yeah, because I don't mind doing anything differently. I'm still practicing the same kind of medicine I did for the last, you know, seven, eight years. Nothing that I'm doing has changed. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm more at ease and happy that I'm practicing medicine the way I was, that I wanted to. Like it was when we were growing mm-hmm. up? No, yeah, like 40, 50 and years ago. And then being a part of this network, do they help provide marketing support or more like back office stuff or are they just a... So MDVIP gives you the support system for if you need help with marketing, collecting payments. Uh, it's really the tools and, you know, their IT department for medical wellness is great where patients can log in. I had a lady this morning telling me she was doing back physical therapy online with MDVIP with wow. this animation. And I'm like, well, well, that's great. You don't have to leave the house and you're not going to a physical therapy. Right. You're doing it in your home. So that's what it really helps you with. Sure. Um, and the rest is really just like you said, uh, word of mouth and how you grow any business. And then you're affiliated with both hospitals here or with one of the hospitals? So I'm, I've, I started my career in, in Baton Rouge with Baton Rouge General and they've been great you know, for me. And so I decided to stay within the hospital system and not leave them because I had no reason to leave. So that's been great just to have their support. And you know, I, there's several doctors still practicing at Baton Rouge General and there's about three of us that are MDVIP. Okay. 
And how many in the market overall? I mean, so there's about it seems like there would be a lot of, of interest in this. So there's about 950. You, you're asking for doctors or patients or, or physicians? Concierge. Concierge. There's about concierge. 950 all across North America. So, so not not that many. At not all. that many. No, they're pretty. Uh, snooty about who they pick. Sure. So, <laughs> so how do you get in if you're a patient and you want a doctor to provide this service? I mean, are you booked up already or have you hit your, your max? Or so we squeeze in the max Beverly is 600. Yeah, no, we'll <laughs> sign you up today, later, after the show. Uh, the max is 600. Okay. Um, and I decided, since I was younger in age, I decided to start slow and kind of give myself time to grow, you know, as I mature in my practice because it's the practice of medicine you get better the more you do it sure well let's take a break uh, for just a minute from business to do a part of the show that we call another great idea it's just a fun little question we ask sometimes so like maybe you've got a friend who always has a great idea for you they tell you about a job to apply for or somebody you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity you should jump on and maybe you take the advice and it turns out really well maybe you ignore the advice and you missed a great deal or Maybe you take the advice and it turns out to be the best thing that could have ever happened to you. So do you all have an example of that in your life? And did you follow that great advice or did you ignore it? And how did it turn out? Oh, well, what great advice I've been given over the years through mentors. But one of the things that somebody said to me very early on, as a matter of fact, um, Mary Delahousy Bellow said to me in my first job, um, success occurs when preparation means opportunity. So if you're in a situation where you can't grow up in your job or in your career, grow wide. Mm-hmm. Now, I've taken that literally, <laughs> and I have and taken that metaphorically. So in a practical matter, that means always learn something new. So can you grow wide? And what does that look like for you? So maybe it's asking for more opportunity. Maybe it's learning something new, but making sure that you're prepared when those opportunities come to be. So I've really lived by that mantra. You that don't is, always yeah. know what that educational experience is or what that lesson is, but um once you have it, it's just another tool in your tool belt. And here I am launching a yeah. launching a company. <laughs> um, but that's been helpful. You know, sure. taking the, the little class on how to QuickBooks, whatever you right. know, whatever that is for you. That's great. What about you, Gunjan? Um, let's see. So I think I have a similar story. I remember we've been in Baton Rouge for about eight years, and I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I was right at nine months pregnant. I was probably going to deliver in 20 days. And, uh, you know, the Baton General came to me with this job opportunity at one of our most premium, you know, top-notch clinics that, hey, we want to invite you to be a physician here. And at that time, I was doing traditional medicine. And I remember freaking out, like, I'm nine months pregnant. We have no family in town. I have an older kid that's two years of age. My husband works all the time. What am I going to do? I was like, I can't take this job. And um, my husband's boss at the time, who is you know, a great mentor and a good friend now, said to me, just close your eyes, you're gonna take that job. Like, you're just gonna do it, and I'm telling you, you're gonna do it. And I remember thinking, he has no idea what he's talking about. Right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> he not have the babies yeah. at home. And he's a male, and he's a physician, and whatever, you know, he doesn't have to do carpool. But I'm so glad I listened to him, because um, that has been my stepping stone for my career. I mean, that's fantastic. a huge, huge part of where I am today is because of him saying that. Recognizing the But it is hard to juggle. As, as, and, and I find that women, it, it's harder for women to juggle than men. I mean, mm. they are the primary caregivers. How do you do it? I take it one day at a time. 
Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I've helped. I've got a great husband that's understanding. Um, but that being said, it, I think it's it's a juggle and it's it's a every lot of day. hard work every day, every single day, um, just yes. to get it done. Singular focus. So I pick the things that are most important. I have to remind myself every day what is most important because it's easy to get that hijacked. Mm -hmm. And singular focus. That means sometimes I have to say no to my friends when, you know, let's go have cocktails Thursday at 2. Well, I need to do Thursday this. Thursday oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Whatever. Who are your friends? <laughs> Thursday at 5. Whatever that right. is. But singular focus on what's most important yep. to my family, what's most important to my company. And that's a whole lot easier said than done but I um I was a single mom for 10 years with wow. two little kids doing you know that work it takes a village you know I'm not from here either so mm -hmm. you find really who your tribe is and and who you oh, can right. call and what you're willing family, to pay for right. mm -hmm. um what you're willing to sacrifice what you're not and yeah. uh it's easier said than done but you can do it right People say all the time, you, you can have it all. I don't believe that. I, don't I think either. you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. time. Something gives. I mean, something, something always has to give. Right. And knowing what needs to give at what time is important. You all are not from here, either of you. Do you find Baton Rouge um, really behind in terms of, I don't want to say women's equality, but, you know, in terms of, of women's opportunities. I mean, I do think this is a very sexist community, you know, and I talk to male businessmen all the time. Um, I, I find it and I feel it. I'm just wondering if you do in your respective careers. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've been here for about eight years, and I've seen a lot of moms uh, are at home, and there's a lot of stay-at-home moms, and my patients, friends that I hang out with are at home, and... Um, Am I jealous or envious in a way? Not really, but you know, they have the advantage of being at home and focusing on kids and home and family. Singular focus. Right, mm. and it's easier, you know, it's easier for everyone. Yeah. And their male, you know, their husbands are out there in the workforce and making the money. Mm -hmm. um, I choose not to do that because I love what I do and I'm passionate about what I do and it makes me a better person, mom and wife. Um, but I do think it is a little, I don't want to say backward or it is definitely sexist. And I find it harder for women in Louisiana to jump up. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I have been so blessed working for LSU, which is all about equality and openness and mm -hmm. even being a higher ed institution, that's mm -hmm. kind of the, the thought process. And, and, and women's too. And women's, women's hospital. Or, I mean, oh, the entire huge. executive yeah. team led by Terry Fontenot is just extraordinary. So I've worked in two really probably different uh, yeah. environments. Mm -hmm. And that's why you know, I used to say all the time, there's only two business cards I would carry. And those were the two. <laughs> Um, but the flip side of that is I have been given incredible opportunities by men to do good work. Um, I worked for a Marine general, and he. I looked around his executive team at one time, and we were all under the age of 35. And I, I was like, well, this is crazy. And. I realized that he was very used to looking for skill sets as opposed to experience because he, you know, Marines are 18 to 22, yeah, sure, right? Sure. So um, I've had a, I've tried to model that behavior, but to answer your question, yes, I do find other places much more um, advanced in things like that. Here, if I say my name is Dr. Beverly Thompson, they kind of look at me like, <laughs> what? Like, that's possible? Or if... It, 
I'm introduced as the director of the Forever LSU campaign. I was 35 when that wow. happened. People are like, "What? Like, like you're yeah. you're in you're charge? Like, right. it's well, just and the such younger shock. you are. I mean, it gets easier right. if you get older, for sure. Right. There's oh, that. Right. It helps. Um, Aging helps it it does. in your career. <laughs> but in in Houston or in Pittsburgh or in LA or in New York, people don't blink at that. So I think that's unfortunate, but I do think it's changing. I think it's too that just so many of the connections here are part of the old boys network. You know, where'd you go to school? To, right. Where'd you go to high school? Right. I, I don't went have to the that. same right, right boys high school. They were all in the same fraternity. I don't have the same. That's right. the that's really I think where it gets mm-hmm. to be difficult to it break is. through. Right. And then once you break through, I think you can. You do just it. work hard. You just keep on uh, working. I say all the time to young ladies that I mentor, let your work speak. Mm-hmm. The harder you work, mm-hmm. the the more opportunity will open because people recognize talent. Yeah. They don't care what gender or age it is. I agree. But yes. You just have to work harder to prove it. Mm-hmm. Have you all gotten to the point with your respective businesses where you need to go out and try to raise capital? Have you had to go to the lending community here in Baton Rouge? Or elsewhere? <laughs> That's such an interesting question. I have um, I have avoided that, although all of my friends are bankers, which is <laughs> you know, which has been really great. And I actually switched banks because somebody said, no matter what, when you're ready, we want to have your business, and we're going to give you a line of credit. So I have a huge line of credit based on you know contracts but to date I haven't had to worry about raising capital but I'm not in a highly technical field the technicality is between my ears Mm -hmm. and the more people I put on the payroll the more we'll have that conversation good uh, so we'll see yeah. um, uh, th- and that's how the one many are on your payroll right now um zero. Oh, so it's all um, you okay so uh, but however i have eight people on my team gotcha. so i contract people based on the actual work that we're doing mm-hmm. um, which gives me frankly a higher level employee from somewhere else with grand experience uh, most of the people i put on i would put on the payroll i can't ever afford and i don't <laughs> want to afford and they like it that way so they're the captain and probably so much more flexibility. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. So um, we like to say we are a concierge fundraising mm-hmm. and advising firm. So we're going to get the best person for your particular project. Um, and we have a wide network. So, so far, that's worked really well for both me and it has worked really great for the people that we've contracted with that's great and, how, and how how big is your practice Gunjan is it just you do you have so employees I'm, under you I'm by myself and I have okay. two employees uh, for my current practice you know it's just a very small business model very do you envision like would you bring on other concierge doctors and have a group practice that follows that model or do you plan to stay solo I, I think someone with my personality needs to just be by herself <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm definitely a control freak and I think I do better on my own well, Beverly Brooks Thompson and Gunja Reina, thank you all so much for being here today. Y'all are doing great things in the community and blazing trails in your respective industries. And nice to have women on the show who like mine. So thanks thank for being you. here. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Beverly Brooks Thompson of Brooks Thompson Consulting and Dr. Gunjan Reina of Heal360. You can find out more about Brooks Thompson Consulting and Heal360 by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. 
You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's batonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum by Schuert & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 until 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. 